because you work so hard at what you do, like you want to just work with people that are just pleasant, you know? So like you don't really need the added complication of somebody being an asshole. Before they get in your business, be in charge in your business. Own it cause it's your business, your business, business. Handle all in your business, value all in your business. Welcome, welcome, big good people. Welcome into Montgomery and Company. I'm Renee Montgomery. We got the California legend today. It's Haley Jones. And for the people that don't know, I had people literally text me when we drafted Haley saying, oh, you got a legend, a Cali legend coming through. We talked to her at the beginning of the season during training camp, MoCo on the go. Sometimes we have to meet people where they are. Sometimes I take y'all with me for MoCo on the go. A little bit halfway through the season, we're sitting in sixth place. And as you guys know, it could change literally right after we film this but we're hovering around that area so we're feeling good feeling like we got a little bit of swagger and speaking of swagger we have the creator and executive producer reggie bythewick coming on to talk all about doing things that's never been done before let's go okay so i wanted to talk this week about strikes like going on strike having a strike there's the writer strike going on right now there's the actor strike going on and there's also, I don't know if people know, but there's a UPS strike that was going on. It's almost being resolved, but I haven't heard as of this recording if it has or hasn't been yet. But also, if you're into football in the NFL, you might have been privy to the running backs have a little problem going on right now. And the problem is that they're not sure if they're being valued for their work, just to put it in, in just as basic terms as you can. The running backs contracts have pretty much gotten lower and lower with time. And you would hope that as sports goes on, you get paid more and more, but it's looking like for the running back position, it's not a position that's valued. So the question was posed, do people think that the running backs will band together and basically demand better pay for their position? And that's the thing about a strike in a union, because of course there's going to be guys that are like, look, I only have a small window and football is even different than basketball and other sports. In football, you only have a small window of how long you can play, how long you're healthy, how long any of those things can happen. You have a small window of when your athletic ability is at its peak. So what if I'm a player who I had a great training camp, a great offseason, all of the above, and now I need to band with the group for a better cause. It might be hard for that player. He might be having an MVP season ahead of him. So he's thinking, I want to play. And then you got another player that's like, you know what? It's bigger than us. You know, like I might be having a good season too, but I might have to sit this season out if they don't give us the deals that we want to get or they don't meet our demands. That's the thing about a strike and that's the thing about a union. So when I start to think about the actor's strike and the writer's strike, there's so many people that are all on the same accord. Like I haven't really seen any actors or writers and not that they would publicly come out and say it, but it pretty much seems like all of them are very much so on the same accord. Why do I think that matters? Because that means that the issues that they're fighting for are so strong that every single person from the top actors to the actors that are still trying to make it, still trying to get a job from the top to the beginning, 
every single one feels very strongly. Like you don't even hear people say like, yeah, kind of stand with this. Like people are like, no, this is ridiculous. I stand with the writers. I stand, I'm a part of the SAG. Like people are still so strongly about this that it makes you think, okay, well for sure they're fighting for a strong cause. Like people are not, I think about this often, Serena and I talk about it. Like, you know how tough it is to stand 10 toes down on something when you're running out of money or when you're trying to still pay bills or you got a kid that you have to take care of. Do you know how hard it is to say it with your chest when you're under those circumstances? It's a very hard thing to do, but that's what the actors and the writers and all of them are currently doing right now. Heading into the fall, heading into the Christmas season, heading into the new year. Right now, they're all standing 10 toes down because they feel like this is that important. The same with UPS. I know you guys might have seen where there was a, a talks about the pilots. I don't know where we are with that either in a sense of I know that there's rumblings. There's a lot of people who with their unions or with their groups, they're thinking about a strike. And so I don't know. It makes me think. I mean, I know I was a part of the executive committee in the WNBA one year where that's what happens in a sense of if one side can't agree with the other side a strike happens. And so, man, I'm, I'm like very hopeful. I hope that agreement can be made because first of all, I'm somebody that I enjoy entertainment. I enjoy television shows. I get way too invested. I get way too involved in them. I, I get sad when they're over. I'm that type. I want to see the newest movie out. I'll binge watch a whole show in a day. And, but I also want the people that created that to, to get their, their share and, and to get their, fair money's worth. And so for me, it's like, we will always as a, as a group stand with people fighting to get their fair share. I feel like everything is synonymous in women's sports as well. You know, women's sports are trying to get their fair share of media rights of, of TV money, you know, like everybody's trying to get their fair share. So of course, you know, we all got to stand on the same type of causes because I forget what the saying is. I'm going to mess it up, but isn't like a rising tide, something all ships. Y'all know that y'all know the drill. Like it's like something Roy's typing to me right now. Lifts all ships. Thank you, Roy. So I just feel like when certain situations like this happen, we all got to just be, we all we got. And I always am going to be like that. So of course, MoCo, we stand with the writer's strike. We stand with the actor's strike. And we just hope that a resolution comes because everybody loses when the family feuds. That's what the saying is as well. So that's how I feel. You know, like I feel like if you strike, it has to be something that's strong enough to strike about. And we know that it is. And so now I just hope that there's a resolution that both sides can be happy with. because you're a Bay Area legend is what people, you know, you're, you're the West Coast shoddy, okay? So how has the East Coast been treating you? Well, it's been great so far. Uh -huh. um, you know, I haven't had much time to explore. Training right. camp takes up most of my time. Uh, but what I have gotten to, I know it's, it's humid here. I'm not used to that. Oh. Every time I leave the house, I need to shower. I'm sweating everywhere I go. <laughs> Traffic, not the best, but everything outside of those two things, I'm loving the ATL traffic, so far. traffic, I mean, isn't it supposed to be traffic where you came from? No, there's traffic in LA. We don't, oh. SoCal, that's not for me. I'm a NorCal okay. girl, Bay okay. Area. So okay. it's not bad. So you said training camp's been taking up most of your life, and there's been a large conversation about like adjustments in the jump for college players to pros. So like, how has your training camp been? It's been good. I think having vets and just players on the team who set the standard from the beginning, but are also just 
good people. Yeah. So when I'm having a hard time yeah. or I'm asking questions, it's never like short and snappy. It's okay, let me walk you through this, let's talk about it, whatever it may be. But I think the biggest jump has really just been the pace. It's fast all the time and Coach T ain't gonna let up. It's <laughs> it's pace, 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 Haley, 24 seven. Love it, okay, so it's pace, 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 but you shouted somebody out, I think, because you know I be at practice every day, so mm -hmm. I mean, but you shouted somebody out, you talked about the vet leadership and different things, but if you could tell yourself two weeks ago, before you started training camp, like, what would you tell Haley two weeks ago now that you've experienced training camp? <laughs> I think I would tell myself two weeks ago, just like, to buy in from the first day. I think, Coach T and I, our conversations a lot of time are just like, trust yourself, yeah. do what you do. And so I think at the beginning of training camp, I was getting really caught up in just the anxiety, the nerves to perform, you know, it's, it's your job. You need to make really? a team to have a job now. So I was just getting so caught up in that, that I wasn't playing like myself. And I always play best when I'm having fun and I'm loose. So I think it would really just be, you know, buying from the jump, understand that you're here for a reason and, you know, play your game. You got this. First mm -hmm. of all, you got this. And you play like point guard as well, right? So I'm. I'm a point guard through and through. Mm -hmm. I like to have conversations with point guards because only point guards know the struggle. And mm -hmm. I'm going to tell you the struggle of everything's going wrong. You did nothing wrong, but it's your fault. 100%. 100%. <laughs> Every time. Every time. It's like I have been learning the plays from every position. Yes. And so the other day, I it was before I ran point the oh. first time, and I only learned the wing. Coach D goes, all right, Haley, someone run the one. I ran that play so wrong. <laughs> I got up in there, and then all week at practice, okay, we're running this play. Haley, run it again. Of run course. it again. Run it again. And I'm like, okay, yes, ma'am. I'm so sorry. <laughs> but it's like the pace, that's on you. You know, the passes, everything's on you. You set the tone. So it's it's fun being a point guard, but there's definitely, like, a certain standard with it. There's complete standards. And you've kind of set your standard, though. Your bar high in the media space because you built a foundation. I mean, you have a podcast. I hoop, too, or mm -hmm. I hoop sometimes. Sometimes I hoop. Sometimes I hoop. Let me get it right. You're okay. Right. Sometimes you have the words. I hoop, but what is it like now? Like, you're your own brand, and so this was different for players like me. Like, we weren't our brand coming into the pros. We started in the pros. So, like, what is it like? You're a brand, but you're also in training camp, and you're trying yeah. to figure it all out. I mean, it's it's definitely different. I think I've had trial runs doing NIL in college, yeah. so it prepared me to figure out what my time schedule is going to look like, my day-to-day -day routine. I think now it's a little easier because I don't have class every day. True. I have it only like once a week now, but when I was... Once a week? Oh, yeah, I still, I'm still in class. Oh. Uh, oof. But okay. like at Stanford, it's like I have three classes a day, and then mm -hmm. I'm in the gym for five hours, and then I'm doing the podcast, and I have homework. And you film every week? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're yeah. filming every week. It's starting to come back because yeah. training camp was a lot, and so they gave me a little time. Oh, but that's what's up. yeah, it's coming back. But I think now it's just like I have more time, and so it's making use of my time. So it's figuring out when to be in the gym, when to do recovery, when to do the podcast and other work. Yeah. I mean, because there's the thing about the podcasting. Draymond Green is, you know, <laughs> he has podcasts right after the show. So should I be expecting you to blast us on the pod when you matter? You gonna like <laughs> and let it fly? Like what? what? No, 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 <laughs> no, no. Should I no, be no. prepared? I mean, if you're right, because this is. <laughs> I'm not the type. I won't be up, like, if I don't play in a game and I'm like, so, this is the tea. I won't be doing any of that. Spill the tea, because there is a spill the tea pause. So I'm just there like, is. you're not going to. There is. That's not what sometimes I hope is for. Okay. I hope so it won't become it? that. It's really just a platform where I've used it to talk about. So me, sometimes I hoop was my Instagram bio for oh, years wow. on end, and it was just really like basketball isn't all that I am and talking about how you're more than an athlete, you have other things going on outside of basketball. And I think it's cool being like, a player-to-player -player podcast, I'm able to, you know, ask different questions. I'm going through the same things they are. There's a camaraderie there. And so just talking about 
questions that you may not get to ask on a typical thing, like what's your day of day look like, asking about why they chose their school, different struggles, things of the sort, talking about when it was in college NIL space. So questions will change now that I'm in the pros uh -huh. and talking to the pros, but that's kind of the basis of it, just showing Wait, more than athletes. Didn't you talk to Ryan Howard's mom too or something? Yeah, you had so a mom's pod, we, right? We had, a, we had a Black Mama Network round table. Come on, and so it was me, my mom, Ryan's mom, Aaliyah Boss's mom, and Jordan Horson's mom. That is so lit. Like, and so that's the kind of things that you want to do with something. Because yeah. we all share this commonality. That's kind of what I talk about sometimes on my, like, we all, there's a, such a different experience when you're an athlete mm -hmm. or when you're a mom of an athlete as opposed to where you're just a mom. And so is that like yeah. what you're kind of diving into? Yeah, just talking about the different experiences that we have and just like the commonalities. Because I have friends outside of basketball, but they can't relate to the same things I'm going through. And so it's nice when I have friends on other teams and I have them on the podcast where we're talking about, you know, the struggles that we may have, what yeah. they're doing in the space outside of basketball, how they feel their days. But it's also like, you know, we're at such a high level and there's so many expectations. How do you not get burnt out? How do you continue to do what you do well, how? at the highest level? What's your answer? For me, my answer is like being a whole person. Like when I get out of basketball, I'm gonna put my work in every day, yeah. be in the gym extra and do this and that. But like, once I leave the basketball world, I need another hobby. I need oh, something to do, good. whether that's cooking, you know, yoga, whatever that may be, having a social life and understanding that This is that amazing. Life. You're a new age athlete. Like I'm so like, I'm so happy for you guys because yeah. it's like, man, like this is how it should be. You have a, a life on top of your life. Mm -hmm. Usually women's sports is harder to do that because we're traveling and everything. But like, that's crazy. What are goals for you this year? Uh, I try not to do individual goals. I think those come, but my goals are to win. I want to get better and I want to win. So, yeah. Listen, let's just win this show. <laughs> I appreciate Thank you stopping you. by. Thanks. So that's Haley Jones, who's in her rookie season right now with us, the Atlanta Dream. And honestly, you guys, like, I don't care if you were a top athlete. I was the number four pick on a championship team that went undefeated my senior year in college at UConn. And still going to the WNBA, it's a jump. It is an adjustment. And so I always like, you guys, I know that fans are like, yeah, we don't care. We want the production. But it's like, we really do got to give rookies some grace because it is not easy to go to a new system, go to a whole nother league, learn the players, learn the plays, learn your role on the team, all of the above. It's just really not easy. So I'm just going to say, give the rookie some grace. And speaking of giving grace, man, I'm telling you right now, Reggie Bythewood and what he's doing with the show Swagger on Apple TV, it's crazy. It's, it's inspired by experiences KD, Kevin Durant had in his life, but the show is one of my faves to watch with my son because he's a hooper, so he feels like he's in the grind with him too. We got Reggie Bythewood telling us all about things that he's, he's never done in film before, but it's never been done in film before. Coming up now. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Thank you. 
already know each other because as you know, Gina Prince Blythewood was on the show previously. We, we love a good love in basketball. But we'll get into that a little later, but we're here with Reggie Blythewood, who is the creator and showrunner of honestly one of my favorite shows on Apple TV plus Swagger. So welcome to the show, Reggie. Thank you for coming on. Thanks so much for having me. How you doing? I'm good, man. So season two of Swagger dropped. Yeah. My son and I are avid fans and he's away right now on the cruise. So no spoilers on some of the recent ones because I'm not caught up. But what what highs and maybe even some lows has season two brought to you? Because there's a lot of viral clips in a good way going on about Swagger. Yeah, I mean, you know, I mean, like one of the like amazing things um, about the show and, and it's really great when you actually can work on something and like you as yourself can learn from it and, and grow from it. Right. So so like in season one, there were a couple of like major challenges that happened, like the pandemic hit. And just the fact that we actually embraced that as a part of our storytelling, like made the show better. So now we come into season two and, you know, Renee, like while we were waiting for the season two pickup, one thing these kids kept doing was growing, <laughs> you know, it's like they got so big and, and it really felt weird to like come into season two and say the 10th graders. And um, so I actually like just embraced their true life age and now we just really settle in mainly on senior year and what's great about that is that it just like really lets us deal with like the urgency and the angst that you know a lot of people a lot of athletes a lot of just young folks in general feel um when they're just really trying to put their life together so just even by embracing like the authenticity of the fact like some of my dudes now are like six nine and six seven and voices are deeper than mine you know, I just feel like made the show better. It's interesting because in season one, okay, we we understand that we I love the show. We were fans of the show. What's that process like waiting for season two? Like how what things need to happen? Because I literally remember tweeting O'Shea and I'm like, do I need to start a campaign? Let me know what I need to do to get season two coming. So like what things green light a show? I mean, there's a couple of things. I mean, one is, you know, if there is engagement or viewership, you know, that's 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 ultimately like the, some of the main things. And sometimes it's just really whether or not, you know, um, there's a feeling that the show has legs, you know, um, and then it becomes budget. And then it also becomes so like, you know, what do you want to do in season two as a storyteller? You know, I just had a very strong point of view that um, much of what I wanted to do in season two is really focus on the high school game, but just also like how do we use their, their the environment they're going to be put in like how do we put hold a mirror up to society and what's going on in the world right now and so really being able to put all those elements together um you know just pitch to everybody what 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 we wanted to do and and we're doing it i think stranger things even mentioned that where the kids started to outgrow the script where you right. can't control that you can't control that you said like they turned they're six nine they're growing but that also right. made me think if these guys are super athletic like when you're a videographer how do you keep up and swagger was all over my timeline because you guys had camera operators on rollerblades shooting certain scenes like how did that come about Decades ago, I, I did a movie called Biker Boys, and I filmed some of the stuff with a guy on rollerblades, but, but the cameras were like so like big and heavy back then, it was just really hard to do. And I've been looking for an opportunity to do something like that again. And so 
you know, we just got lighter cameras and really just thought it was like a great way to like one of the things I want to make sure we do as an audience is not feel like we're spectators, but feel like we're a part of the action. And so being able to have like this dude on rollerblades do it really just keeps you just like, you know, engrossed in the action, in the game, in a way that we haven't seen before. And even though there's like, you know, maybe one or two other shows that are actually like borrowing our technique, I love that because then it makes us come back in season two and have to, you know, be even stronger. But it's been great. It's been a really great experience. And yeah, I do the John Like, a camera operator and rollerblades, just really, um, it's just been really amazing and fun to just photograph it that way. That's crazy. And speaking of us being a part of the experience, I'm telling you right now, there was a clip, all right? And when they, okay, somebody asked the DJ to play a throwback song and the DJ played Busta Rhymes. Know, right. Matthew Cherry said that was painful. Yeah, that was crazy. Well, cause, cause actually what Jay says is he says, can you play something old? And they was like, bet I got you, you know? That's fun. I mean, that's the other thing too, is like, we really, look, we go in, 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 in hard on the character work and the storytelling and really have, a lot of deep subject matter we want to attack, but also just by nature of their age and the characters is also fun. Yeah, no, it's definitely fun. And so how much does KD have, you said you go deep into the characters, like how involved is KD in the process of making Swagger considering it's inspired by experiences he had in his real life? Yeah, I mean, I just had like one marathon interview with him, if you will, you know, at the start of it. And a couple of things we decided. One was we were going to make it a contemporary story because there are so many different things happening now. The game and social media is on another level than it was when he was coming up. NIL deals, name, image, likeness deals. So I really wanted to be a current story. I just spent like a lot of time understanding like the dynamics of what he dealt with coming up and, and really feeling like he could go to the pros and all the sort of obstacles in his way. And then I just kind of like, let it rip from there. Like there was no mandate to do every single thing that happened in his life. So some of it's inspired by his life. Some of it's fictionalized and, you know, he's just been accessible when I felt like I needed to just hit him up on something, you know, but bulk of it has really been from these few days in a row that we've just chopped it up and, and really just, you know, got a lot of great things from that. That's crazy. And so do you kind of even still kind of watch, things that are happening in his life now, because like he's a very out loud player in a sense of he's very accessible on Twitter. You talk about he's accessible to you guys. I feel like he's even accessible to the fans. And so do you take like current things that happen with him and kind of just bank it into how would his character maybe like be in the future and showing glimpses of that, like leaving breadcrumbs even or something? I mean, I just think like some, there are some things that just organically just fit in, you know, and so we do do that. But we also like one of the things we do on Swagger is we want to get a view from every seat in the house. So that means that we want you to see it from the player's point of view, the parent's point of view, the coach's point of view. So, you know, there's a lot of other elements we draw inspiration from. The other thing, Renee, is like, you know, we see these these dudes in, in season two in their senior year of high school. And, and at the time that we were working on it, my youngest son was in his senior year of high school. Oh, wow. um, he's a, he's a, he's a D one, um, baseball player, but at the time, so he was going through all this angst of what is he going to do with his life? So it's like, we got KD and then we got research and just real life things that we pull from. I think that's really what, what makes the show feel authentic. 
No, I love that. It doesn't even O'Shea like embodies like I played AAU, you know, and so right. he feels like that AAU coach that almost cares more about his players in his own life. Like we all know that coach that gives his everything to his players. How involved were you in the casting process and, and what made you guys know that O'Shea was the one? You know, as a creator of the show, I, I got to be, you know, I got to be on every day, you know, so <laughs> definitely very involved in, in the casting and things with O'Shea. Honestly, I had this call with him. It was a Zoom call, you know, pandemic and all. And he was like two minutes late. And I was like, man, uh, I don't know how this is going to go. And then he said, yo, my bad, Reg. And he started telling me about his daughter and how he had to put her to sleep and all the drama that was going on with his, with his I think his daughter's two years old at the time. And, you know, I knew that fatherhood was going to be a big part of our narrative and that Ike was going to have, you know, a young daughter. So, like, immediately right in there when he just led with the fatherhood part of it, you know, I was really like, I feel like this could be the guy. And then we just had a great conversation. He knows so much about basketball and, and actually coached, you know, so it was really organic to him. And then, you know, if you know Shay, you know we did this. Um, and this is like our first, you know, real meeting, right? We're hanging up the call, and he says, All right, man, yeah, great talking to you, man. Go Lakers. And he hangs up. <laughs> of course he did. That's that dude. Wow. So I love so even though it was the things about him like that already were in there. Like he had a daughter, he was a father, he you could see it already. And he knew the game, he loved the game, you know kind of has like a big kid quality, you know, yeah. that was, that was, that was perfect for it. And the other thing too, is like, because you gotta, you, you work so hard at, at what, you know, what you do, like you want to just work with people that are just pleasant. It's hard enough when everybody's great, you know? So like, you don't really need the added complication of somebody being an so and and also like we're dealing with kids in different ages. So the fact that he was just like a good dude and was right for the character, it was just it was a perfect fit. You know, it's crazy because me being uh, a former pro athlete and now still being an owner and, and connected to the game. I talk about this all a lot with the podcast because we're a mix of sports, sports business and entertainment, because I think there's a synergy like what you just said. Everybody on this call is probably like blowing their mind because we have some new people that we're infusing into our show. And right. I told them, like, I'm going to bring you this energy every time I pull up. Like, I don't care that I just had a terrible flight trying to get back from Vegas. I don't care what it is, but. I'm going to bring you this same energy because if we're going to have to do it, we got to do it anyway. So why not do it a certain way? In your experience, have you seen like how much synergy there is between athletes, entertainers, even, even just our worlds? Yeah. I mean, well, you know, so, so first of all, like, all right. I mean, I've, you know, been at this a minute and first of all, I've actually worked with people that are kind of like going to come up, right. That you really feeling themselves. And you're like, what? I also had an experience where I got to hang out. It's a whole other story, but I got to hang out with Muhammad Ali like four days in Florida when um, my son, our older son's name was Cassius. Oh, what? Yeah, right. So we were, we, we were hanging out with him for like four days. And this is Ali. He wasn't even in great health. And when people came around and they waved, like he lit up. He was so um, giving and so generous. And even like in Swagger, you know, we have, um, and the one that's going to uh, drop this Friday, 
we have like the legendary John Carlos, 1968 Olympics, raised his fist up um, with the national anthem. And like, I'm his icon, you know? And like his spirit, his love, he visited us in the writer's room and just talked about being a champion on the court and off the court, you know? And it really made sense. I was like, yeah, I got to put this brother in our narrative. But so I really like met like the most iconic people that I've met, like that are like real champions. They haven't been that. It's really been like the other ones that maybe have some insecurity or something that's been that way. But like, just, you know, and the same thing I've found with artists, like, um, like, yo, like I was, I don't know how this happened, but I was on an elevator one time. <laughs> I step on the elevator and I'm like, what the hell? And it's like Sidney Poitier. And I'm like, what the hell? Not the original. And he was chill. Like, you know, he was still Sydney, but he, <laughs> you know, he was just giving and loving. So I've always like really thought, and I want to just sort of tell you like about the kid on, um, excuse me, I won't call him a kid anymore. He was a kid when we cast him, but a man now. <laughs> You know, Isaiah Hill, uh-huh. who plays Jace. And Jace is just so everyone knows is the main character that is the KD character of the story. When when we say cut, and we're a rap for the day. You know, you see Isaiah shaking the, as many hands of the crew as he can. Wow. Like like that quality, like like that culture that we look to create on our show, that's just authentic. Um, I love it, you know, and it just makes the work, it makes the product so much better. And so, um, you know, I love that sort of symmetry of, um, as John Carlo said, you know, uh, and, you know, for in our case, champion on the set and champion off the set. Yeah, that's, you know, I had coaches that say how you do anything is how you do everything. And I think that's kind of what sports teaches you. You know, that's that's the thing about working with other athletes or working with people that work with athletes. And even like from the entertainers that I've met, we all have the same mentality. It's this work ethic mentality, a, a attitude of gratitude type mentality. So I definitely see that. Stay tuned for more with Reggie Bythewood. You talk about Isaiah and that's the thing about swagger that I think is underlined that doesn't get talked about enough. It's like even how you address big issues. I remember season one, there was the issue that happened at the restaurant that turned into a, you know, a whole situation. I watch it with my son who is about to be a junior in high school. And it's almost like how swagger covers off the court affairs and reveals things like growing up in America. You know, can you elaborate on that dynamic of the show? I mean, it's really about like holding the mirror up to society, you know, I mean, on some level, look, we're in, in, in many ways, like culturally, like we're under attack. And so like the great thing about having a show and a platform, like, you know, I don't take the position that our, our, our job is just to quote unquote, shut up and dribble. Yeah, we want to entertain, you know, part of our motto was like, um, get the audience at the edge of their seat and while they're leaning forward, hit them with the truth. 
So that's really a big part of our show. And I want to say one other thing, Renee, like I really hope everybody gets to be caught up. I hope you and your son gets to be caught up as soon as possible. But regardless whether you are or not, y'all should really see the one dropping on Friday. Tap into that. It's called Are We Free? First of all, on a basketball level, we've done something cinematically that nobody in the history of cinema has ever done, is that we've got this entire basketball game all in one shot. Like no edits, it never cuts away. We may slip into slow mo slow motion, come back into regular speed, but we never cut. So like so we've done something cinematically that's never been done before. We're really proud of this one because it's entertaining, but it really, I feel like, says something that we've never seen said on, on TV before. So really, um, you know, get caught up if you can, but if, if you're not, just tap in to uh, uh, Maze 5. We, we call it a maze. We don't call it episodes. We call them mazes. And it's a, a huge part of the way that we approach our storytelling. So you can tap into to, um, All We Free, drop in, you know, this weekend. It'd be really dope. I love that. Maze 5. And why do you call it mazes? Because it's just all a part of one big, like, what, what's the Maze 5 part about? Okay, so Maze is this concept, right? So, like, our characters are, are on this journey. Right. And so we like to say, like, life is not a straight line. It's got twists, turns, obstacles and opportunities. So it's a maze. But when you really like lean into that maze and lean into the characters in that sort of way, um, you realize like the maze is like part of like the civil rights movement is a maze, like reconstruction era is a maze. And like what if as writers, we are telling this contemporary story, but understand we're standing on the shoulders of our ancestors and and, and, and our grandparents and everyone that's come before us. So like, it's always embedded in our storytelling and it's a commitment that we make. And so therefore, because we approach it that way, you know, we used to like, we have a big jar in the center of our writer's room on the table. And if anybody said the E word that we would call it, you know, episode, there's a dollar would go into that jar. So we would raise some money that way, you know, and, and give it to somebody who, who is in need. But That's um, amazing. Yeah, but so like Maze is really a part of it. So um, I say Maze 5 because it's the fifth installment of season two. I love that. So Maze 5, episode five, are we free yet? You talked about being a writer, though, and I would love to just know, you know, there's currently a, uh, the WGA and actors strike going on. Like, what are your thoughts on the matter and how do you think it's going to affect the industry in shows like Swagger moving forward? You know, so I have to, like, be outside of repercussions with the show or not. You know, ultimately, like, on some level, how this is, this is like, you know, the second, like, major, major strike I've been a part of. Like, in 2007, there's a really, really big strike that went down. And so there were some shifts that were made, but maybe not enough because nobody really knew what streaming services were going to become, right? And so the model that we've had, the way that we've always operated in the industry doesn't match up to the model of streaming. And, you know, there's a lot of writers that are um, on various levels, like not everybody that's a writer is like making tons of money and, and, and it's like people are really trying to build their careers together and you know, like how would every industry, let's just take sports, let's take basketball, you know, like Bill Russell was the man back then, you know, Magic Johnson, like all these dudes with him, but they ain't making what they're making now. Right, right. No like, question. So like you advance like 10 years, like you're making more money than 
cats before you were making. Yeah, Charles Barkley talks about it a lot where he did, you know, $250 million contracts is unheard of, but that's normal now for the stars. Right. But, you know, because of the previous model, like writers were making more money back then than they're making now. So that's like a weird thing, <laughs> you know, like as you advance, you're making less. So, you know, so there's just definitely look, uh, you know, I for one want all the streaming services to do well. I want the industry to continue to grow. I, I, I feel like as, as a viewer, it's great to be able to have streaming services and control it in that way. And, and, you know, I'm sure at, at, at a certain point, maybe sooner or later, but at a certain point, everything will sync up and we'll, you know, have a system of fairness that everyone can participate in. When you were saying it makes you like as you advance, you make less. It made me think about women's basketball where with name, image and likeness going on around. You talked about it with in the space. There's college players making a million plus dollars and then they come to the WNBA in advance right. and maybe don't make the same amount. Something doesn't feel comfortable about that progression. So I definitely can, can feel that type of synergy with, with women's sports. As you progress, you want things to get better. A la look at MLS league. And now there's Messi come into the league and they're talking about like, you know, if you invested 30 years ago, look at what would happen now with the salaries. Um, so in speaking of women's basketball, I can't, you know, we love the Bythewood family here at MoCo mm -hmm. and we asked your wife, Gina, about you. So it's only right. I'm going to ask you about about her. And I'm just curious because she said you encouraged her to kind of go forward with loving basketball. Like she literally said, like you were one of the ones that was like the battery pack in her, which is it turned into a legend for women's basketball players like me. It's like our anthem. But, you know, what what has she pushed you towards in your career? You know, having somebody that understands the industry right there with you. I mean, you know, what's was was interesting is like I never like no, I want to be a filmmaker. I never aspired to marry a filmmaker. It was like, you know, you always just feel like you just need to do the opposite, you know, just to be able to just connect with somebody who understands it. Um, and then there's like a level of just like grit that it really takes to persevere in this. I think um, with Gina, the, the, the great give and take is the push to just follow your voice and to like understand if you don't say it, it won't be said. So that even when, you know, studios or networks or whoever like aren't getting it to like, just find a way to push through to find a way to get this project made because if it is just about me, it's easy to step. But if it's a, about a cause bigger than yourself, whether it's family, it's your people, then you can't step. You got to stay in it, you know? And so that sort of like determination and grit um, is, is just real. And, and that's kind of how we get down. And so, you know, it's just really great to have that type of, uh, you know, partner to kick it with. Man, that's a power couple. I love that, though. If it's bigger than you, you can't step. Like, when the cause is bigger than you, you got to stand 10 toes down. Um, so I'm going to, you know, in... In that same thought, I'm going to make sure that if you don't say it, it's not going to get said. So I'm going to say that 
You know, I have a production company, Think Tank. I've already told Gina, I'm going to tell you too. We have too much synergy in the sports and entertainment world not to figure out something in the future to work together. As you guys know, I stand 10 toes down for the culture. And I see that you talking to here and you talk about the maze and everything. I'm like, man, that's incredible how you view yeah. even a show that people might think is just a sports show. You're like, nah, baby, you're going to get these stories. I'm going to smack you with the truth. You're going you gonna, to you gonna get this truth. And so, yeah, man, like I think that people, you know, like, people if you saw swagger pop up on your screen you thought oh it's probably just some kids playing playing hoops it's really not it's it's so much better than that like I said I watch it with my son he's way younger obviously but I feel like I love it even at my age so I can't encourage people enough to check out swagger on apple tv and before I let you go you guys have an open invitation to an Atlanta dream game whenever you guys are in town I don't know where you guys okay are cool base, but... I, we appreciate that and by the way I'm just you know like really loving like how the women's game is just growing you know and even even on the whole thing of a voice like the athletes in the WNBA like when they when they speak out like the way that they've used their platform has definitely been inspiring and, and definitely has inspired a lot of the storytelling we're doing I love that. Thank you for that. I'm like, clip, clip that, Gino, okay? Like, that's amazing. So thank you guys. And always, Reggie, like I said, the Bythewood family, anytime you have projects, MoCo is always a home. Let's talk about it. Thank you for joining me. All right. Thanks so much. Man, it's been a pleasure to talk to, especially with everything that's going on with the writer's strike and the actor's strike. It's been a pleasure to talk to creators to just hear their thought processes on what they decide to even create, what they're backing, what they're writing, how they feel about the things they create. You know, coming off of talking to Ryan Coogler last week and now talking to Reggie Bythewood this week. I mean, I feel like I'm getting in the minds of some of the top creators in entertainment period and sports and entertainment. I say this all the time, so synonymous in the grind, the thought process, the why of why you do things. Like you guys know, for me, my why is it's generational. So I'll see y'all next week where it's a generational thing. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.